Carpe diem. Carpe the hell out of that damn diem. A whole sentence came out like Stanley. I'm sorry, kids today's are so spoiled. Hello, I'm Stanley, the only creator of every Marvel comic. <laughs> I did it all by myself. Steve Ditko, who? <laughs> Jack Kirby, what now? Let me tell you a story all about the bullpen we used to write in together. <laughs> Somehow my name now got Now this on is a story all about how my life got flipped and turned upside down. When I was bitten by a radioactive spider. Oh my god, I need that on something. I need that somewhere. Oh my god. <laughs> like a t-shirt uh, where I lamp. Yeah. Stanley, uh, shall we say a man of a mixed legacy? Like, undeniably the biggest comics figure who will ever exist. Bigger than most of the characters he helped create, right? Like, as far as just, like, on-the-street recognition... Stanley's tracking higher than Mr. Fantastic, you know? So you, can, you can get a and tattoo of glasses and his mustache, and people know. If Stanley had not gone on to co-create many seminal Marvel characters, right? And become, like, the spokesperson. Like, DC fucking wishes it had a Stanley. Because, like, Bob Kane who? Bill Finger who? Like, what did they... Oh, those guys look... Siegel and Schuster? Never heard of them. But... Stan Lee is instantly uh, iconic. People that don't fucking know a goddamn thing about comics, and I'm not besmirching them. I'm using that to illustrate a point. They don't know a fucking goddamn thing about comics, but when Stan Lee shows up as fucking Hugh Hefner or whatever, it gets a round of applause from the entire crowd. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> he was an important guy. But well, when, when he was the guy that he... writes the gospel of Tony, Steve, Thor, and Bruce, like, that, you, yeah. He wrote the American yeah. Bible. Yeah, when my man created the original five X-Men and wrote them for, like, fucking 60 issues or whatever it is, he, it, it, he, he, he's an indelible part of the American mythology. Yeah. People have said it before. People will continue to say it. That they superheroes are the closest we have in America to any sort of mythology, right? Right. Uh, because we didn't have... A period in time before Christianity. We didn't get to come up with some dope pantheon of very specific <laughs> gods. We didn't have that right. time. Oh, well, I'm sorry. White people didn't have that time in America. There were other people <laughs> who had their own shit going were, on before we showed up. There were others. There were, oh, I'm sorry. Uh, no, I've, I've seen the cartoons, right? We showed up, we shook hands, we shared fish for Thanksgiving. <laughs> uh, and that was... That was it, you know? They peacefully went west. They let us have this spot. But uh, but we don't. We didn't get yeah, that. People so, believe like, that. Oh, I know, Doc. It just hit me like a, <laughs> people, like a sack People of believe some wild-ass shit. People believe some wild-ass shit, my dude. Yeah. I dare we not delve on what some people believe about slavery, right? Dare we not delve on? Hey, hey, I, I've only, you know, you can only live... 
so long in your life and be able to stomach somebody saying it wasn't really that bad before you think violence is indeed the answer. <laughs> it was like George Washington's slaves gave up their teeth willingly for their master's mouth. They were paid. I'm like, oh, they were paid. <laughs> oh, great. Oh, oh, fine. oh good. My family's Irish. Oh, that makes everything fine. My family's Irish. We had it worse. Yeah. Oh, uh, the Irish were actually uh, second-class citizens too, uh, and it was exactly the same <laughs> as American slavery. Let's point out second class, and not classless is the, humans. Yeah. Is this uh, is this record <laughs> time though... from going to Stanley to the institution of American slavery on a community podcast? Because I would bet you it is. Kev, I would bet it's the fastest that transition's been made. Ever, ever. I mean, I don't. I have got the clock in front of me. I'd say that's under two minutes. Uh, really, just like under a single two minutes sentence. From Stan Lee, the creator of American Gods, right? To slavery. I'm sorry. To uh, jump back a little bit, we had folklore uh, to a certain extent. You know, John Henry, Pecos Bill, Johnny Appleseed. Some of these people did or didn't exist, but none of them existed as we understand them. And we we had like folklore but we never came at sasquatch i think is a very american piece of folklore but we never had like hermes we we didn't have a period in time where we thought apollo's chariot like made the sun go good and and i think that's missing to the point oh i think people lived here that did that we just well again right (laughs) to the point of transition (laughs) there were people here that did that white america as it exists today shall we say um yes, yes and and that is missing right so we took speaking of george washington we like took the founding fathers and turned them into deified them. those figures exactly we deified them uh, say what you will about the video game bioshock infinite i think i like it more than most people despite some that. massive flaws but i really like that game <laughs> Yeah, I love that game. That game's great. It's really cool. And one thing, they don't delve into it particularly deeply, but one aspect of that game that I think they absolutely nail is that when you arrive on Columbia, the floating city of American exceptionalism, you are in this deific rose garden where instead of a figure of Mother Mary greeting you, it's Washington, Jefferson, and Franklin with like their their godlike tools. It's a whole fucking lot in white marble and i the game could do almost literally anything else after that point and i would go all right game you got me whatever else you want to do <laughs> yeah. from here on out you got me and that is a flawed video game uh that i think works emotionally over intellectually but emotionally i think it really fucking works so like i don't yeah, know what yeah. to tell you um yeah and you're given that image of the Founding Fathers as you enter this place where the first thing you do, I believe, is throw, or offered a baseball to throw at a black couple at on an, stage. At an, I think, is it an interracial couple or a, ba- or a black it couple? Might, it might be interracial. It's been a minute since is, I've played Bioshock Infinite, which is its own yeah. uh, kettle of worms. But it's, it's, it's an interesting aspect that that game gets at. Um, and, yeah. uh, and I think that is very interesting, you know, Gaiman kind of touches on this in American Gods a little bit, not to the full extent, but like 
how there's a real good there's a real good chap. Um, I'm cutting you off. What are you gonna refer to? No, first? that it's like okay, Chernabog, the god of death. Right, he arrives on American shores and becomes a part of the Upton Sinclair meat industry. Right, he is a cattle slaughterer, and that is what the god of death looks like in America. And that's a very fascinating idea. That's part of what makes that book really good. Uh, the TV show, I think it's a TV show creation, adds Vulcan uh, as the leader of, like, a small-town right-wing gun cult. Like, this this uh, town exists... Yeah, he's... Hephaestus and Vulcan are not in the book at all. Right. So, uh, the, the first season of the television show, which is the only season I've seen, uh, because Brian Fuller and Michael Green left after season one, and I just didn't want to have my heart broken... Uh, after loving the first season. So so they they go to this town and and Vulcan is like it's a town that exists, you know, everyone's employed by the gun factory. It's one of those types of like small industrial towns and everyone worships the rifle and they're like upon Shadow and and Wednesday arriving, they fire their guns up into the air. Uh, as like part of their jubilant celebration and as the following conversation ensues there's just a rain of rifle rounds like falling down cascading down around them that's amazing uh yeah it's fucking exceptional watch the first season of american gods everyone i cannot testify to anything that happens after that point but watch the first season of american gods it fucking whips um, yeah, I got like three episodes in and then got distracted because I, I think I just didn't have stars anymore. It was on stars, right? Yeah, it was on stars. I was borrowing stars uh, when that when that show happened. Uh, and then I, think I, I was borrowing someone's pirate server. Hey, you know what? <laughs> Matey. I'm not giving Sony any more money. Are you fucking kidding me? Hot cha cha. Yeah, we're already podcasting about their show. Like. <laughs> Don't you? Aren't we doing okay. enough for the Sony Corporation? Can't you, yeah, can't you just get over yourself? I bought a PlayStation Four. Like, have I not done enough for the Sony Corporation? I'm not buying a PlayStation Five. I'll tell you that. Yeah, your homeboy, the daddy host, got his sex today. Sorry, I, I saw Xbox that. Series um, yeah, I saw that. Like <laughs> two a.m. We're in line for the Xbox. Uh, it was six a.m. Okay, okay, I'm a nerd, okay. but I'm not. That yeah, you're not. You're you're a nerd with a kid. Like it's. <laughs> I get it. Um, <laughs> My wife opened the door and was like, you got your sex today? I was like, well, okay, Xbox Series X, if you say it fast. Okay, I got a uh, a fast. voucher for the Xbox Series X when it <laughs> does come. Uh, don't I? It was definitely important that I stand in line. I have not made my, my decision. GameStop had, my GameStop had six systems. Wow. I was the first in line, so I'm, I got one. Hey, excellent. So, so the Xbox Series X... It's out? No, I, pre- I pre-ordered Oh, okay. You had uh, the permission to pre-order, right? Because I saw that yes. uh, exceptional post uh, looking at the Amazon listings for the Xbox One X, which had like an 800% increase in sales uh, today, which tells me a lot of people are going to be very upset very soon when they realize they've ordered <laughs> the wrong console. It's incredible, though. It's incredible that that happened. Only 30% of those people are going to return it. Yeah, absolutely, because they're like, oh, well, I bought it, and I'll, I'll just get Game Pass and play, like, some dope-ass games for a little while. Yeah, um, just hang on to it for a couple of years, because obviously I had the money. Right. I'm 
probably going to get the the PS5, the disk drive PS5, but I'm going to do what I always do and wait five years <laughs> so it's cheaper <laughs> and there's a bunch of dope games for me to play. Yeah. Well, the reality is, like, I'm not buying a PlayStation 5 because Spider-Man, which is I'm going to play, it's coming to PS4. The next Horizon game is going to PS4 as well. Oh, are they both and really? Death... I didn't know these things, so yes. I'm definitely on there. Yes. Yes, dude. Yes. And Deathloop, the incredible-looking game made by expats from one Arcane studio who made their own Arcane studio, and instead of making Dishonored, made Dishonored with guns featuring two black a black protagonist and a black antagonist. Hey, that sounds uh, it's okay. Coming to P- it's, it's coming to PC, too. So, like... Oh, sure. Sorry, PlayStation. I don't need your shit. Final Fantasy 16. Coming to PC. Sure. Cool. Yeah. Sony. I don't need you. And I think that's I ultimately, you know, that's ultimately good. And especially now that like more and more of the hardware creators are buying software companies, which like, okay, we're not even, we cannot broach that at this point, but. You mean you're talking about Xbox buying Bethesda? Yeah, I'm talking about Xbox buying uh, Zenimax, <laughs> which owns. Uh, Beth- which is like 2,300 employees and like seven stables. Right. Uh, we, yeah. Which owns Bethesda Softworks. Uh if you are Microsoft and you own Bethesda, it actually makes a lot of monetary sense to still release that software to PC and other platforms because if you own Bethesda, that's just more sales, right? Like, as much as you want to move yeah. hardware, a bunch of people are going to buy the PS5 no matter what because they want to play whatever Naughty Dog has waiting for them, right? And so... Right. And and the other, still a litany of uh, PS4 exclusives, even though some of them are coming to PC. So it makes a lot of sense if you're putting out fucking Skyrim 2 to sell that to PlayStation owners, either at a later date or at the same time, because that's, hey, baby, that's profit for you. Imagine owning the best-selling Western RPG on both consoles. Yeah. You're going to start a game on PlayStation in a couple of years that's made by Bethesda, and when you start it, it's going to say Microsoft Game Studios or Xbox Game Studios on your PlayStation, and that's amazing. I'm going to have an existential moment where my soul leaves my body, right? Um, There's a lot of PlayStation bros that are going to be like, I don't like this. And it, they can it's deal. Who gives a shit? It's the future. Yeah, Who software should be agnostic. Yeah, soft- software should be agnostic. Software should be agnostic. Put it on all the platforms. You know, put Hades on PS4. Put Hades on PS4. And just, like, let egalitarian it. Like, let everyone have it. You still pay. Every, as long as you-, you... No, go ahead. Sorry, can I tell you about letting everyone have it? Because everyone in Hades could catch it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's what I've heard is that everyone's fuck is full of so- sexy. Every single character is fuckable. It's the worst. Absolutely. <laughs> I have to, by my own laws that I've set down for myself, I have to beat either uh, Marvel Ultimate Alliance 3 or Catherine Full Body to allow myself to buy Hades, but it is next on the on the list. Oh, I was going to say, if you don't, if you don't want to buy it, you want to check it out, just watch me stream it because it's good. It's real. Every voice actor also makes the, the the character art even better. Hell yes, son. Ares Ares popped on screen, and I was like, "Ooh, tasty!" And then Ares talked, and I was like, "No, oh. why am I streaming a right now? I need to, I need to take a nap." 
you, you just started fanning yourself compulsively. Yeah, I get it. Was, it. it was a lot. It was a lot. No, I get it. Uh, this is, of course, Advanced <laughs> Community Studies, a podcast about the American comedy show Community that we talk about one or two episodes Hello. at a time. We are the Greendale Three Pop Pop. Only two of us reporting for duty. Steve is on assignment. Uh, on assignment. Yeah, that's how I'll refer Every to seven. anyone missing from now on. I, of course, will never be missing <laughs> yeah, I because I both a edit the show and b I cannot allow you to rank episodes without me. I will not allow it to be. Everyone must hear my good thoughts. It. Right, you don't have the doc. <laughs> exactly. Um, you you have done a, a, a great disservice to us. I've consolidated you, power. I you have the google doc i could give it to you like it's it's, no, it's fine i don't want it that it's a headache when i look at it every time right it's it's a lot of information i'm i i as the boss am laying the sacrifice on you the worker so like i should actually be paid more uh but uh we talk about this show uh one or two episodes at a time i am one of your hosts tv's kevin lanigan and Together, my cats can do anything. <laughs> Incredible. I am the daddy host, recently coming off of a pre-order for Journey Gone Successful. Well, that's nice. And I'm a computer, and I'm about to scan my mainframe for some juicy memories. <laughs> Abed, you're a computer. Scan that mainframe for some juicy memories. <laughs> we are full. Dude, this episode is full of just the... Just the Dean shines in like a 30-second period. It's that just, is, these are two they're so good. fucking incendiary Dean appearances and performances, right? That, like, he's always been good. Jim's been good since day one. There's a reason they, like, kept him around as a recurring figure. I feel like these are the two episodes where they decide, okay, in season three we make him a main cast member. Sure. This is where they like have final. They're they're like we are cementing this as next year. You're like in the opening credits. Like your name is going to be on the cootie catcher, yeah. and yeah. and that is important because he fucking kills it in both of these episodes. It's very good. Uh, it's very. Good. And of course, the best uh, overall season for the dean is season six uh, because they do some unbelievable work with this character. But Jim Rash. Always good. Even during season four, he's good. Always good. I made a salad yesterday, and I could not stop myself from saying Dini Vidivici <laughs> over I and over. I came, I saw, I wife, conquered I the idea for a free Caesar salad bar. <laughs> <laughs> the whole time, uh, my wife was like, can you please shut the fuck up? Can you like, nope. stop doing that? <laughs> can you... <laughs> Uh, please not. Uh, so we're we're almost uh, about to just charge headlong into this episode, but I would like to say thank you to uh, the folks out there. Uh, this week we crossed uh, 1,200 Twitter followers, which is fucking excellent, and we crossed uh, crossed. Hey, we crossed. Uh, we crossed 20,000 plays on SoundCloud, which is cool, and that's just SoundCloud, not the like other podcast platforms. That's dope. Yeah, that's dope, right? Uh, that's so dope. thank y'all for coming along with us in this uh, bunk ass. Wait, how many did you say? Uh, twenty thousand. I don't know what okay, I said. I, twenty thousand no, is the right that. number. I think my brain heard two thousand and was like, wait, that's not no, as good. Than... I mean, that's fine, but like, it's not as good. Uh, yeah, twenty thousand. And again, whatever I said the first time, twenty thousand is the correct number. 
I think you said 20. I think my brain just went, it can't be that high. Nah, you're good. So you're good. Uh, but that's, and that's again, not including iTunes, Podcast Addict, Stitcher. So that's, that's pretty cool. Uh, I will say, I don't usually talk about those numbers very publicly. Uh, they are uh, my business. And, uh, but I, when we cross a milestone like that, that's pretty cool. Uh, I appreciate yeah, uh, everyone sticking with us during uh, this shithole period of time. Uh, and it's also been very beneficial, uh, I will speak for myself, very beneficial to me to have this to like work on and focus on uh, some weekly stability <laughs> that's not like crumbling yeah. beneath me. Yeah, it's, uh, it's always nice when you can, like, despite most systems becoming non-functioning, to it's always it's always helpful to be able to create a system that just kind of functions freely absolutely and if i was this has has functioned with very little it it seems with very little work at least putting it together to to a certain extent editing well editing's always a pain in the ass uh that's 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 always going to be the case uh but it's no it's having this consistent weekly pattern of watch record work uh, and then getting to talk to everyone on social media has been like a a boon during all of this. Like I I would be in a two hundred percent worse mental state than I already am without this. So I'm very glad we decided to do this. It's worked out, and we're this episode and one more episode away from tying a fucking bow on the second season. We yeah after we have one more record. And then we are done with the second season, uh, which is uh, knocking futs. <laughs> but we are <laughs> love it. We're moving Nucking right along. Futs. Yeah. Uh, so let's let's start. First episode of the evening, season two, episode twenty-one, Paradigms of Human Memory, directed by Tristram Shapiro, written by Chris McKenna. Uh, when uh, the gang is called together to uh, create a their last anthropology diorama. Uh, they have a series of flashbacks to their adventures this year. However, we, the audience, know that we haven't seen any of this before. It's a fake clip show, everyone. Unbelievable that they pulled off a fake so clip show. It's so good. That's un... Because I there have been other clip show jokes before, right? So, like, Clerks the Animated Series, their second episode ever is a clip show, and it's a clip show of the first episode and the first half of the second episode, which is a good joke. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> it's a good bit. But to do a live-action fake clip show uh, and and have to go out and find fake Mexico, fake Habitat for Humanity, uh, f- Go shoot a bunch of scenes at a riverbank so Troy can say, you can yell at me all you want. I have seen enough movies to know that popping the back of a raft makes makes you go go faster. (laughs) Which is probably the quote of the episode. That is the moment that just sends me. And um, and And it's his demeanor. It's the same demeanor he has when he's singing like, and he's yelling at people for laughing at him for being afraid of mice. He's got his like, I beat all your ass! You gotta come up here, though. Like, he's doing that same, like, short movement. Oh. It's very good. It's, it's very good. Perfect, exceptional energy. I, uh, <laughs> I, I appreciate it. Just the audacity to try and pull this off. And to retroactively make all of these flashbacks canon with the Glee Club reprisal later. And, and to, at the same time, use this to tell a story. Where you are unveiling that all year Jeff and Britta have been having secret sex. Which... Rules, 
it's the amount that they pull off in this episode and that it comes in as Neil Goldman talked to us about when, when he was on the show came in under time. So they had to create this really long Dean animated end credits tag to yeah, just like, that's so weird too. I love it. This new grounds ass, uh, end credit. Bam, tag. Bam, bam. <laughs> so weird. Where Jim Rash like does the, every Every voice. At that same moment. (laughs) Fucking incredible. Uh, Troy, Troy, we never said anything about ourselves. Okay, now I'm Okay, now I'm really mad. (laughs) This episode's so good, man. This is... I mean, spoilers for the rankings. This is one of the big ones, folks. This is fucking incredible that they could pull this out. Because in television production... You do a clip show for a couple of reasons. You either do it to A, save time and not have to write as much that week, or B, save money and not have to shoot as much. You just need to pay the editor to, like, right. pull the old clips, film some kind of frame story uh, where the characters say, ah, oh, remember all these times we've had together? And and string that together. But the audacity, the caucasity to, to create a, a setup for how many times is a man going to burst in here in a silly costume with irrelevant news and then film like seven back-to-back Jim Rash costume <laughs> changes. So many. It's so With many. all of these I great little inserts of, like, Jeff and Britta are wearing different costumes in each of those shots, and sometimes they're wearing, like, crossing guard uniforms, and some, and so, like, there's all these little stories that exist within the episode. Just and unbelievable that they could pull this off. Guys, Greendale's music department is flat Baroque. <laughs> His little chuckle after saying Baroque fucks me up every baroque. time. Baroque. Uh, this is uh, one of the episodes. Every time, every daylight savings, right? The Jim Rash bursting in a Tina Turner outfit leaps <laughs> to the front of my brain. It's, it's ingrained and burned and seared in there. <laughs> What's Dean? It's a tie too because like every daylight savings, it's either that or it's Abed. It's not from this episode, but it's Abed just not getting that clocks get set back. That's the other uh, fake flashback episode. (laughs) Yeah, just freaking out, and then (laughs) (laughs) and he's like, "It's okay, we'll get it back in the spring." And he just goes from like moaning to like. Screaming. It's I incredible. will say this in reference to the other flashback episode late in season three. That one is probably funnier. Just like pound for pound, like Troy bursting in and, and sure. with the ATV. And it's like, you can't drive that in here. Uh, Yeah, I can. It's all terrain, dummy. <laughs> it's all terrain, dummy. <laughs> is one of the all time uh, funniest bits. But this episode, with its Jeff and Britta are having secret sex, uh, we uh, the Leprechaun uh, adds this extra layer of like drama that maybe pushes this one over. But as yeah. my Skype background will currently depict, I do like the Greendale Asylum reveal in in the second fake flashback. It's very good. I uh, I have a particular. We don't have to make that decision for um, a long time. Actually, which of these is better? We don't. We'll be okay. So. We'll be okay. 
I have a particularly fond uh, recollection for Jeff and uh, Britta asking for them to give examples. <laughs> Troy, drop a beat. Going, hey, they want some examples. <laughs> goes, Troy goes, I think they want some examples, Pierce. He goes, okay, drop a beat. I mean, just Let's give just them some examples. <laughs> Why is this episode? So funny? I know the original Ugh. implication was to pair up Troy and Pierce. Like that's why they're next to each other at the study room table. They're both like dumb guys, and they don't really go that route because Donald Glover and Danny Pudi just developed this incredible natural chemistry. But yeah. sometimes when you put Troy and Pierce together, it is very funny. <laughs> it's very good. It's very good. Uh, it's it's very good. Uh, one of my favorite bits, a bit from this episode that made people online furiously angry, was the the bit with the Sarah Bareilles song, right? Where it's like, I'm talking about the Annie of it all. Will they? Might they? And they intercut <laughs> yeah. all these Jeff and Annie uh, clips to Sarah Bareilles' Gravity, a song that will make me cry in every instance of its appearance in my life. And <laughs> and in a, I'm not going to say a parody, I'm going to say like a playful rib of online shipping videos on YouTube where they'll like, you know, set their romance. And it is, because it's like, Jeff and Annie in the first two seasons of Community are not quote-unquote a thing in the same way they will be as the show goes forward so you really are just like pulling any isolated clips of these two characters interacting with each other um to to try and make your ship video and then people were furiously mad that they then took it and made it about pierce and abed as like (laughs) people take so personally their identity as someone that wants fictional characters to kiss and I, there have been many times where I've wanted fictional characters to kiss, right? Most notably, most notably, Finn and Poe. Yeah, know. most notably Finn and Poe. Uh, any number of, uh, you know, couples on Lost or, or what have you. Like, I'm not a stranger to wanting fictional people to get me and all of my video game romances, right? Like, I want, I want, right. I want these characters to make out in Dragon Age Inquisition. Just give it to me! Um... But you do probably need to have a sense of humor about it to the point where you can laugh yeah. at a, a Pearson Hobbit homage with the with the fucking vending machine money and stopping him from stepping in poop and and all these good <laughs> moments. Um, I don't know. It's also I love what this implies because it's not just like oh we're taking the piss out of a a thing that happens a lot in romantic comedies or not even sorry not even romantic comedies it's a thing that happens a lot on the internet when people put people together mm-hmm. from these different things on top of that when they do it for for Britta and Jeff people are like see 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 and then immediately after that they do it for Abed and Pierce which is both Abed proving that like you could do that for anybody but also Dan Harmon being like you could do this for anybody, so shut the so fuck up. So it's just like, <laughs> I, you know, I understand. <laughs> These two characters don't have to go together because you I want it. I understand that you're get interested. It. Just, like, maybe chill a little bit about it. Just, like, maybe chill <laughs> yeah, a little bit about it. It's so good. It's so it's good. A, it's a great bit. I, you know. <laughs> and, then, and then Abed says, "It's it, what does he say? It's It makes more sense to see what's between you and Annie than me 
And here's how some dare you? How dare you? <laughs> good bit. <laughs> Which is just so Chevy good. has a lot of good bits in this episode. Uh, Pierce, you've had three flu shots. I'll be a living. I'll be a living god. <laughs> is hysterical. There's so much. Uh, I think everyone has good bits in this episode, but uh, Pierce notably has a lot. I love the way that uh, Jeff and Britta, or Reed, Joel, and Gillian play. Everyone slowly honing in on the fact that these two are smooching. Uh, that they're like looking at yeah. each other and they're going like, what? Huh? No. Until Abed runs his mainframe and says that Jeff and Britta are having secret sex. It's just like a really good, it feels very in character for these two. That, uh, yeah. that they've compartmentalized their horniness uh, and they're trying to like, what? In a way that you could see their angle on it, but does also work to like undermine the group dynamic. It feels very in character for these two together. Yes. 100%. I am not and the yeah. fact that, like, once it gets outed and the group's like, eh, it's fine, you can probably keep doing it. it they don't want to do it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. It's gone. They don't want to do it again. We funny. don't get anything Jeff and Britta related again until Shirley's wedding. You know, like, it's it's not, it's something the yeah. show will come back to semi-frequently, but is never something we really hone in on ever again. Which... I'm not invested in any of the community romances or would-be romances because the show is not invested in them. Right. Why get invested? Okay. I don't want to say something as bold as what I was about to say. What? You're allowed to get invested. You're in allowed that. to get invested. If I something also understand your you, take of like, yeah, exactly. If, if something speaks to you, something jumps out at you, that's great. There's this weird, and I'm not just talking specifically about shippers, I'm talking about fan communities in general. There's this weird sense of entitlement because it's the thing you like. That means it's what has to happen. That means it's what must be, and you can apply this not only to community, fucking Star Wars, any video game, because it's the thing that is interesting to you. That means that it must be the ultimate declaration. And... I just worry about people that have that mentality because they must be unhappy all the time. Right. And I would just... Community after... Season one has a lot of relationshipy stuff, really just between Jeff and Britta, and then Annie has, like, a relationship. Troy goes on a date. That's, like, the only time this show is interested in it, and it feels like... The impression I get just watching it, not like listening to commentaries or interviews, the impression you get watching the show is that the show is not interested in those things. That that Dan Harmon and the writer's room are not interested in those things. That they are interested in character relationships that they can use in the same way they use Jeff and Britta's secret sex. But they're not interested in these relationships in the same way that New Girl is interested in its characters dating. And I like New Girl. Right. But that's... This is just a different beast. It's a different beast. That's not what this show wants to do. And I got that signal pretty early and said, okay, I'm not really interested in any of these romantic relationships. There's ones I like. I like Abed and the Secret Service agent from a few uh, weeks back. I think that's really cute. But I'm also not sitting around every episode of Community waiting for Eliza Coop to reprise her role as the Secret Service agent. <laughs> I'm waiting for Allison Bree, though. That's 100%. Um, 
The can I throw something out? This is a this is a if there's a way that we could be pulling the cart more before the horse, I don't quite know <laughs> what it would look like. But when Abed and Allison Bree, what's her Annie. name in the show? Annie. Not Allison Bree. Not Allison Bree. Sorry, Bree Larson. Oh, okay, okay. okay. Larson. My, I was like, no shit. That's what Annie. kind of that's cheese? What I, mean. I was like, are you forgetting Annie's name? You're real. You're jacing it very hard right now. <laughs> <laughs> no, the episode where Annie and her brother are facing off against Abed and Brie Larson about who's going to At live the there. The VCR game. Yeah, good, good, good episode. The VCR episode. game. I feel is that tension between Annie. And Abed, and admittance of some past between them. I mean, we can dissect that when that happens. I did watch that episode somewhat recently. I've just been watching a lot of like. Same. That's why it's I've been watching brain. a lot of late <laughs> season five and all of season six recently. I don't know why. Maybe it's because we're like so far from it. But like, really coming to appreciate those two seasons for what they're trying to do. Um, you could never recapture, like, the yeah. glory of season two or three because that was the show just, like, completely firing on all cylinders. But those seasons are deeply interesting and there's a ton of shit that I love in there. But, um, right. e I mean, you and I have read into Troy and Abed or Troy and Abed and Annie in a way that makes sense to us. But then we bring in Jace and Jace is like, I don't really see that. And that also feels true. Like both realities yeah. feel true at the same time. And so like, if, if I am, I'm invested in all of these characters being friends with each other. I am invested in the Troy and Abed friendship more than I am a Troy and Abed sexual relationship. Even though if that was the angle they took, Sure. Makes perfect sense as well. It would make sense. The right. the only one of these romantic relationships that I like to see repeated is Jeff and Britta. Not because I'm like, that's my OTP, love them, want them to be together forever. That just makes a lot of sense to me. <laughs> why these two characters are constantly stuck in each other's gravity. These two fragile egoed, they're older, they have not lived up to what they thought their lives would be, and these, like, two satellites circling each other constantly, and almost getting married three separate times, makes a lot of sense to me for how these two characters yeah. are played and written and, and portrayed, ultimately. You know she's such a fool for him. Around him, wrapped right. around her finger. finger. <laughs> good bit. Uh, good bit. The and I had hired an Irish singer. <laughs> I like all three of their fake weddings. I think they're all very, very good. And they they make sense in that these two characters would make this rash fucking decision together. And that these two characters would call it off because they realize it's a rash fucking... Like, it all makes right. sense. These two bring... I think they bring the best and worst out of each other in relation to each other. Because they yeah. both challenge each other to be, like, wittier. Challenge Britta's always challenging Jeff to be better. Jeff is always challenging Britta to lighten up. Like, it's, it's these... these uh, this great like ebb and flow back and forth and they ultimately are always the most immature when they are together they are just these two 
wild opposite ends that can cause so much destruction when they are together. And that makes sense to me. I know couples like that. They would be the most insufferable pair of people to hang out with together. But you would also definitely get why these two people found each other and are together. Sorry, that was long-winded. It's okay. It's okay. I have a lot of thoughts we, uh, about we, Britta we make Perry. Those, we make those points. <laughs> you long thoughts on Britta? What? Uh, I did get uh, bless uh, Matt over at Communis uh, for saying that every time he sees anything related to Gillian Jacobs, that he instantly thinks of me and wonders if I've seen it. And that, if that's what I can achieve in my life, I'm pretty content about that. <laughs> she's sure, anything yeah. Britta related and filters it through me, I'm fine with it. Have you seen this? Yeah, I'm fine with it. I wish I had people that did things, did that for information for me. I always feel but, somewhat uh, accomplished. Maybe I'm just not there yeah, yet. I always feel somewhat accomplished. Like, you know, when the Cats movie was coming out, people would send everything Cats movie related to me. And I wasn't even mad when I would get the same link like four times. Because I was like, I'm glad that people are invested in my investment in this. Sure, sure, yeah. It's happened, there was a, in college, there's a guy that worked at Family Video who used to call me to ask me about what games he should check out, and I thought that was adorable. I think that's great when um, you've, but, like, developed, not that, like, it's your whole personality, but someone knows, like, this is the person I can go to if I want yeah. something about this. And it, and it wasn't because we'd ever spoken, it was because he listened to the podcast. Yeah. And I was like, homie, that's adorable, thank that's you. That's great. Or, like, when my mom used to like call me or text me when she was like trying to figure out what movie she was watching on tv and she would like start (laughs) listing off like who was in it and what it was about like that that earnestly means a lot to me rather than using imdb she used just use i have a son yeah (laughs) i i h a s i have a son uh and and that that's very touching in its own way I, I I don't find that annoying. I find that like, okay, someone like sees me as a thing, as like someone with passion. I know your I see your purpose now. I, I, I bet I see your value now. I see your value. I got you what go. you were getting Boom, right I got what you were. Uh, I'm The water is life. I'm smelling what you were stepping in. Uh and I uh great fucking episode of community. Let's just let's just lay it the out water, right there. Is it the water is the heart? The water is true. The heart of water is the true. heart of water is true. Corazon del Agua is uh, Oh my God! The Ford is irradiating your testicles with microwaves. The Jeff Winger speech in this episode that is a mishmash so of different speeches, but together form one. Oh, it's just the most beautiful series of chef's kisses. I can read it if you want. Uh, I've got it. The only up. sharks in this water are the emotional ghosts. Emotional ghosts that I like to call fear. Anchovies. Fear. Fear. <laughs> and the dangers of ingesting mercury. It's a locomotive it's so that good. runs on us. <laughs> These drug runners aren't going to execute Pierce because he's a racist. It's a locomotive that runs on, on us. <laughs> and I just... Th- it's so beautiful. And the show has so earned the ability to play off of a Jeff Winger speech at this point. Oh, yeah. 
And yeah. it's 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 transcendent when it's unfolding before you because it doesn't make sense, but it also makes perfect sense. And I to to use a personal um, this moment like there's a lot of community moments that inspire when I write scripts for things that exist, right? Uh, obviously, sure. intentionally or no, it's just such a part of my fucking script writing DNA at this point. But when I wrote my web series Doomed to You, the fifth episode is a, a series of scenes from like alternate uh, versions of events, but they all play together as if they are one scene. And this was this winger speech is like basically exactly what I was pulling from when I was writing that sure. of like. These conversations are changed based on the context, but these characters are having one conversation across, like, five different realities, essentially. And, right. and That's very thank good. Thank you. Uh, and that was directly pulled from this fucking episode. Sometimes I don't know I'm doing it, and then, like, I watch my performance, and then I watch donald glover holding a giant cookie and i'm like i'm doing exactly what he's doing and it was completely <laughs> unintentional and then sometimes i'm like no i know exactly what i'm ripping off here <laughs> hey like the what's the the artist quote right the, artists like, use good lies artists to tell the truth hide... steal well yeah whatever it is yeah yeah good artists hide their sources or no good good art good writers show their influences great writers hide their influence. Yeah, it's there's a million different versions of that. Like all artists yeah, steal, good artists steal well. Like it's it's all these same ideas and it's completely true. Even if you're not like intentionally homaging something, if you've watched and paid attention to or read and paid attention to good work, the elements of that work are just going to show up in your own work even if you completely yeah. did not mean them to because you've just you're a fucking media omnivore and you've just consumed it and it's just in there you know i dislike being called a media omnivore but you're am right. i wrong yeah. yeah you're right absolutely you're right. uh any any uh departing okay. thoughts here uh in uh, on uh, on paradigms of human memory it must be said that this is a fucking call back to uh, Annie's missing pen, cooperative calligraphy. That that Annie's boobs is coordinating these these things in in the air vents. Oh, that's right. This does start with Chang sliding into the air vents, and is that a new shouting? Is this a new stereotype? <laughs> I know these vents like and the he's back like, of my chain. No, I know these air ducts like the back of my chain. It's a it's a beautiful thing. This Gross. this season is not as serialized as. Uh, season three, which is like a very like we are carrying these plot lines through the whole season, but this bit with Annie's boobs, uh, the the Shirley's pregnancy storyline, obviously the Pierce villain story arc, like this is the beginning yeah. of seeing what Community is capable of as serialized storytelling. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And uh, hey, Hello. speaking of uh, the Shirley's pregnancy storyline, shall we wrap that bad boy up? Let's do Season it. Season 2, Episode 22, Applied Anthropology and Culinary Arts. Directed by uh, Jay Chandrasekhar, written by Carrie Dornetto. Uh, during what is supposed to be the blow-off anthropology final, uh, Shirley goes into labor, and it is up to a combination of Abed and Britta to deliver that baby. At the same time, there is a riot at the World Food Festival in Greendale's parking lot. 
Erase Kerfuffle. I think we're using Kerfuffle, Mr. Winger. Uh, Yeah, the ambulance can't get here because of Erase Kerfuffle. Uh, but this is, uh, uh, at the same time, Pierce buys Troy and Abed's signature handshake. Uh, <laughs> Earn your money. Or, and uh, I like this episode a lot. It is a bottle episode. It doesn't call itself out as much, but we are in this anthropology classroom the entire time. Uh, it's pretty much just main cast members, except for... Uh, a brief appearance by John Oliver, a little Starburns, a little Neil, a little Vicky, uh, the writer for <laughs> Dean <It's> Magazine. Been... <laughs> <laughs> this, this episode's, I remember seeing it the first time and being like, boy, a lot happened there. Why? And then I remember encountering it every time since sure. then and being like, oh, it's tying it, it's stuck with the unfortunate job of we have a banger to close this season on that's going to do absolutely nothing with the threads that are loose in this season. So let's tie those off. Right. We quick. need, like, Shirley cannot be pregnant for so the, the paintball storyline. We need to. Damn it, Shirley. Forget about your kids. <laughs> uh, think about the people that think need about you. Think about the people that need you. She cannot be pregnant. Uh, Paradigms of Human Memory, we just talked about how good Pierce is in it. Pierce needs to be the villain again for the next episode, so we need to do one last sure. Pierce villain setup uh, on top of that. Yeah. And um, we there there's these disparate threads that need to be tied together, and I uh, quite like this episode. It's I haven't done a true rewatch in like five it, years, so okay. this is not one that I've seen in a long time. This is a really funny fucking episode. The beginning where Duncan is caught drinking, he hurls the glass to the ground and says, and that is what Jews do at weddings. Anthropology. And then Shane goes, in the back, it's the good bit. And then John Oliver runs out of the classroom to go get the finals and does not return for three seasons. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that idiot he made himself he made himself real that small idiot, that fool decided to stick with the daily show and decided to start some fucking little show called last week tonight that will employ him for 13 years and win him multiple emmys that idiot that fool. F- that fucking clod he doesn't know what he's missing he could have appeared <laughs> several times a year on community idiot you could have done something with yourself, you fucking numpty. Claude. Uh, the the um, show the indecent proposal storyline, uh, where where Pierce buys uh, Troy and Abed's handshake is is funny. Like there's a lot uh, going on there. I don't that like during during Very Shirley's good. pregnancy, Troy's cry like we can't get the magic pack. <laughs> <laughs> And that's it. It gets a little muddled because Abed is also like heavily involved in Shirley's birth, although they are in the same room, so it makes sense that he would be like involved. This everybody should be pretty involved in that. This yes. canonizes his uh, delivering a baby in the background subplot from Psychology of Letting Go. I forgot about that. Yep. They're like, when did you help deliver a baby? And he was like, I don't, I don't in an know, SUV but- earlier this year. In the background. Where was I? Somewhere in the background. <laughs> yeah, it's very good. 
Um, speaking of the Dean's stellar performances, both of these episodes, I am particularly fond of him trying to calm Look the situation. Look at my eyes. Look at my and eyes. And then, look at my eyes. And then going, <laughs> <laughs> And then then be like, or Shirley being like, what? And he's like, I don't know. <laughs> what the hell? Uh, that uh, is... It's a it's a great gif, and it's good to see what it's in reaction to, which is Jim Flash making high-pitched squealing sounds. There's just a lot of, like, really good character moments, not just, not, like, character development, even. Just, like, we've gotten to know these people now almost two full seasons. We've sure. got one finale episode away that's art. Did, did Modern Warfare 1 and 2, or sorry, <laughs> that's... Uh, Whatever. Did uh, Fistful of Paintballs and a few Paintballs more air at this, on the same day? No, they were separate weeks, and I have a story about that for next week. That's that's one that's dog shit. Yeah, that's um, horse hockey they should I have played. I th- they were that's, filmed not knowing whether or not they would play back-to-back, and they ultimately did not play back-to-back. That sucks. They should have played right into each other. But agree, anyway, but... Um, knowing that like you know these episodes are coming, and the, none of these moments are going to like well not none of these moments but a bunch of these moments are like hey we've been with these guys for a minute and like let's see what they would do in this wild ass situation so seeing the dean like act composed because he's trying to impress somebody the writer of fucking melting down the writer of dean man stop writing or or the moment that um (laughs) britta the whole episode's been like i'm more in touch with my body than like you are like the whole herd being tough and then like (laughs) let me know if the baby's head is crowning and then she goes under shirley's god it's just this like fucking 2001 a space odyssey just fucking with like low rising orchestral or choir she's music. in this all black space it's really well done by by uh jay shandra shekar and co this she's in an all black space with the rising like monastic choir or or whatever like score is is rising up as her eyes get and wider we just as the camera stay gets in this void it's perfect it's so fucking good she jumps up and pukes and jeff's like guess the baby's crying right. and the you know i think the like they ultimately wanted to have britta deliver this baby as much as she could and so you do have to yeah. go through some narrative hurdles to get to that point because the obvious fucking choice is annie like who's studying healthcare management who is by far the most competent of the group as we will see in the paintball finales right and and she right is the obvious choice, but we have to eliminate her that she's like, I haven't read a book about giving a birth to a kid. And then Abed is the next obvious choice because he's literally already delivered a child (laughs) and and is an impartial robot. Uh, But Shirley eliminates him because of gender. And so it does fall to, to Britta and it's magnificent what they accomplish here. Like it's pig saliva. It's the same active ingredient, but they just dress it up. How dare they? (laughs) It's very good. It's very good. It's, very it's good. the same quibble I had a couple weeks ago that like Shirley is not the active agent in her own pregnancy story arc. Sure. But, yeah. You know, someone can only be such an active agent when they are literally giving birth. Like you do need someone to facilitate that. It's just the same quibble I've come back to for this whole plot line that after this episode is like never mentioned again. <laughs> 
you know, sometimes you gotta do a thing for a specific, uh, I guess, idea you have to land. Yeah. And then after that, you just it's we we landed it, so why keep talking about it? Bye. I get it. Yeah, you can't like. What are we supposed to do? Do like another season where like Shirley is raising Ben? <laughs> like I uh, no, <laughs> like no, thank you. No, that is it's fine. We can just move past it. Yeah, it's, okay. it's fine. That doesn't bother me because these characters yeah. have well established like external lives that they continue to live without these other characters, and that is fine. I I have no quibble with that. Yeah. It is implied that she is raising two kids already, and Elijah and Jordan don't come up all that often, so why would Ben? Who is ultimately not Chang's kid. Oh, yeah. Generations of little scrappers. It comes out, and Andre's like, it's a black person. (laughs) Which is fine. Malcolm Jamal (laughs) Warner, man. He doesn't... We're almost out of his appearances. There's just, like, a few more. He's good every time, man. He's funny every single time. It's, it's good. The Chang Runner in this episode where he's describing all of the absolutely inhuman ways that Chang babies have been born. It was born on a treadmill. Twenty percent incline. And at the end when he's or after he right before he concedes, or maybe right after he Oh yeah, when when Shirley says, Are you sure it's yours? And Chang's like, Yeah, Chang's are all born with tails. <laughs> <laughs> it's like what the fuck? What yeah, the it's fuck? Very funny. Yeah, it's good. It's a good capper for this episode's wild runner. You know, uh, Chang babies love the sauce, alcohol, and duck. <laughs> Fucking shotguns. <laughs> oh, God. Shotguns the duck sauce with the most wet drinking noises <gasps> you've ever heard. I wonder heard. what was in that actual glass. Because there's no way it was duck sauce and gin, right? So it had to be duck sauce and vodka, right? Oh, so it had to be so I'm Googling this right what now was in because I have Chang's to glass. Know. Because that is... Uh, disgusting. That is, it's upsetting. I don't, I don't care for it. That's something that Ken Jong would do. He would, he's committed, right? Oh, dog. Okay. So someone on Twitter today, Ken Jong is, uh, on Twitter.com, he's not, um, shy about his feelings about Donald Trump's treatment of the coronavirus, right? And he shared some statistics today of like 7 million infected, uh, over 200,000 dead. And someone was like, uh, if you're not a doctor, I don't want to hear it. And I'm like, my dog, you did not. My dude. My dude. My dude, you've my made a mistake. Dude, you've made grave error in judgment. My dude, you've made a mistake. Let's back up. My man, quick. have you ever heard of the Mayo Clinic? <laughs> he has a show where he, well, I guess that's not really an indicator. Yeah, a lot of, you know, Zach Braff <laughs> is not a doctor. People that have shows. No, I mean, he's got a show called Dr. Ken. Right, but that is not... But that doesn't mean that he's a medical doctor because Dr. Phil and Dr. Oz right. exist. Right, he, he is so. in... His first, like, big breakout thing is in Knocked Up, right? Where he plays the doctor who helps Katherine Heigl give birth in that movie. Uh, and they cast him... Yeah. Because he was an actual doctor who was also funny. Uh, and and that was the beginning of, of what we have now. Two short years later, he's Ben Chang on Community. It's the it's the best. It's good shit. It's the best. I like him. I, I can't find any conclusive evidence that Ken Jong shotgunned... <laughs> Gin um, and duck sauce. Gin and duck sauce. I, I'm hoping... That it exists somewhere, someone, please. Some evidence. I'll, you know. I'll at Ken Jong. You know what? I'll at Ken Jong right now from the Greendale 3 account. And I, you know, odds are... I'm just saying, hey, we're recording a podcast right now and need to know, 
Did you actually drink duck Did sauce? Did you? What was? I don't. Uh, while Shirley, I, I cannot imagine he drank duck sauce. I do want to know what it was. Um, so let me let me just uh, from the Greendale three at Ken Jong. Uh, we're recording about the Shirley giving birth episode, and I just gotta all caps gotta know thank what you, thank you, thank you. did you <laughs> take a shot of tell me it wasn't liquor and duck sauce <laughs> all right so i will uh report back if ken jong ever returns uh he's getting a lot of notifications right now because uh you know white supremacists are mad at him uh so we'll we'll see if i can break through uh the 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 sure. crowd there but my search is i'm i'm turning in i've searched for like three minutes which is generally much less than I search on the internet, folks. I want you to know, but I'm being professional. I do a cursory Google <laughs> and nothing else. If it's not on the front page, I don't want to know about it. Yes, exactly. Precisely. Uh, this is, you know, it's never going to be like one of my top community episodes of all time. This is a consistently funny and entertaining episode. I remember the first time I watched this in like fucking 2010 or 2011. It did make me tear yeah. up. Not because it's, like, incredibly sad or incredibly touching, but, like, I don't know, I'd gotten to know these characters for two years, and, like, they were helping their friend give birth. Like, that was kind of beautiful, even though this episode is not going for that tone at all. Sure, sure. I mean, it, it's arguable that it is, though, right? Because sure. the whole the whole lead-up to Shirley actually giving birth is basically everyone else in the room coming to grips with the fact that like what they have what they are is a good thing except for pierce who's an asshole but like um abed and troy and like giving up the the shake and then the loss of the the magic and then finding out it never left right because they're true friends or britta being like i know my body more than you ever will and then like backing out of an opportunity to like you know, put her money where her mouth is, essentially. Good bit, a perfect uh, and, Brita storyline. A perfect Brita storyline. Exactly. Um, it's, this baby's green deal. You don't have to name it that. I'm not assuming that I have that kind of power. I'm just the deliverer. <laughs> Excellent bit. It's so Together good. my cats can it's do so anything. Good. An immortal quote that is uh, uh, built up here. A, a really strong, solid episode for not being an all-timer. I mean... Yeah. Jim Rash's like the Dean fucking everything he does in this episode is funny, but particularly the ha 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 ha. It's all good, baby. It's very, very yeah. entertaining um, and and fun. Yeah, but every, everyone kind of goes through as much as this episode like seems like it should be focused on Shirley only. Kind of everybody goes through their this is the end of season two character arc completions in this episode. Yeah. Everyone gets their validation or their 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 ironing out or their their summation of, you know, actions. I was about to say some nerdy ass shit. <laughs> Hitherto un Ooh. unsolved. Yeah, I was gonna do some dumb shit. But yeah, the, you get to you get the summation of, of the, the pieces here. Yeah. Because the next two episodes are great and they didn't want to deal with no bullshit. Yeah, everything that can't <laughs> be wrapped up in the two part paintfall finale is wrapped up here as far as season arcs go and it's it's really well done it's very funny it's very entertaining uh normally like i would loathe 
a sitcom episode that is about a character giving birth, but this one's really good. This is a very this one kind of does, does it. It's a very community interpretation of that same idea. Jeff and Britta's little like a temporary baby weakness. It's it's good. It's very it's touching in its own way. It's very funny in its own way, and and does some good character storytelling along the way. And that's truly all I can ask for. Yeah. Shall we? Dare we? Endeavor to rank this week's episodes. We can act like we're going to do it easily, but yeah, let's we can try. It. So let's start with the end tags. Uh, the the first end tag is the Dean's animated <laughs> cartoon. Animated thing, <sighs> yes. And like, I love this one. This is a very good one. But how do you would evaluate it against like? It's not as good as Troy and Abed make a cartoon tunnel, <laughs> but like. This might be a top ten for me. It's definitely not Cartoon Tunnel. It's that, not Cartoon Tunnel. It's that end tag is cartoon tunnel. so, so fucking impactful. I think I did some damage there. I'm not... Oh, wait. You're... I was thinking Betty White Africa Rap and Betty White Inception. Different. Much lower ranked I was like, is Betty White Explains yeah, 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 yeah. But Betty White Africa Rap is good. But I... It is good. I don't know if you ask me right now. It's probably like... Pepper Water is our number six. I would consider Dean's head cartoon uh, to be number seven. Yes, your cursor went up between six and five, and I was like, mm, nope. no, not but above like, Pepper Water. It's not better than Pepper Water because Pepper Water is pound for pound the funnier Who puts thing. Pepper in water. <laughs> but this, it's so weird, but very funny, uh, and and that it's all Jim Rash. It's this weird fucking Flash animation Newgrounds cartoon they made. Fucking <laughs> albino black sheep ass cartoon that they made. It's so wild, dude. It's like pre-pilot storyboard animation. Yeah, I love it. I love it eternally. Love it. Straight The straight lines move because everything's like just fucking warbly. I love, it. I love it. I love it. I'm just thinking okay, there so maybe could be repercussions, is... yo. That's one of those weird community quotes I do all the time. <laughs> I don't know why. <laughs> that one stuck with me. Because the whole world is filled by people who are doing things that don't seem to understand that, like, there may be... Could be repercussions, repercussions yo. yo. Uh, yeah, I think yeah. there's uh, I, there's a lot going on there. The episode I weirdly quote the most is maybe Pascal's Triangle Revisited, even though, as our rankings will show, I'm not a big fan of that episode. But Troy's like, sure. hey, man... <laughs> Everyone's kind of waiting for your answer to all of this. As he gestures with the cookie. Yeah. And then uh, 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 Britta saying, he's been to Flavor Country now. <laughs> they just retire the table we did it on. It's very good. It's very good. Hmm. Um, the next end tag is the Dean Magazine. Oh, one, did right? we decide uh, that the cartoon is after Pepperwater? Oh, yeah. yeah Dean. Yeah, yeah. I agreed with your estimation. Uh, Dean's anime. Dean anime. <laughs> Yeah, Dean Anime. Uh, if we'll we'll never have to Dean Anime. Dean Anime. We'll never have to explain that to Jace. Anna Dean. No, the the Dean and the the Dean Magazine is the end of the principal episode. The end tag is the okay. fake fire alarm. Oh shit! Cancel this school. One's this good. one's very good. This one's so like cancel school. Or we tell everyone. Deal. <laughs> I like the ones where they're like, I don't know, we have Jim. We're paying Jim for this episode anyway. Can we like put him in the end? (laughs) 
I love that he like hangs it back up, turns and like just oh, it's like, good. Jim Rash can turn it's turning around into a comedy beat. He's just a fucking Yeah. You can typecast him for being the guy that turns around. All you yeah. need him to do is turn around and it's funny. He's a fucking he's he's a fucking genius. I try not to throw that word around too much, but no, Jim Rash is a fucking uh comedy genius. Can you imagine if Jim Rash Jim Rass? If Jim Rash Jim had been in CSI <laughs> and had been the guy to put on glasses and turn around. Hmm. Could have been something. Oh, if he was CSI Miami. M- <laughs> if he was CSI Miami, yes. If he was Horatio. Looks like we found Divorce of the Future. Yeah! That's a real one. I didn't even make that one up. What's What's Dean got to do what's with Dean it? What's Dean got yeah! to do with it? Yeah! It's exceptional. Anyway. Fake um, fire alarm. The, the fire alarm is... um. Mm. Hmm. Yo, mm, it's fire alarms. Fire alarms uh, good. It's not as good as it might be better than pepper water to me. You're gonna not, you're gonna put a low. I was thinking like it's not as good as Pierce poop rap. I I command you to just drum up in your mind mm-hmm. the Pierce poop rap and and is this one's better than that for you? He has a big poop mm-hmm. preface and a glass of pee. Yeah, I'm an impulsive person. I'm an impulsive person, Kev. It's why I smoked for so long. Sure. Is I would try and quit and be like, you know what though? But I want yeah, some. sure. And I'd go sure. get some. Sure. Because I'm impulsive. So, like, my brain's like, I just watched this. It's very funny. I haven't thought about Pierce Poop Rap in a minute. So thank you for grounding me. Um, <laughs> but Everyone um, hates him, even all his friends. And, and Vaughn teary in the doorway, like, yeah. all right, man. All right, man. I miss Vaughn. I love Vaughn. It's Vaughn. Vaughn yeah. a cool guy. He had to go off and do NCIS. Yeah, he uh, very successful elsewhere. And you know what? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. He signed on to fucking NCIS New Orleans, a show that's still on the air. Okay, guy, <laughs> go do you, I guess. Take your tiny nipples. Because you could have been a recurring character on Community, but okay, <laughs> okay, okay, dude. It's me. Hmm. Yeah. So, like, uh, I'm willing to have a conversation about anything under that, but it's not as good as Pierce Poop Brown. It's not as good as Diamond Dash. Correct. Uh, probably better than... Uh, maybe between that and Stop Motion? Uh, yes, I agree. The new number 14 above Troy Nubbin and Stop Motion. Uh, fake Fire Alarm. Yeah. It's very good. It's good. It's very yeah, good. Yeah, more, more end tags with the Dean. I mean, we'll get plenty we of those not. in uh, 5 and 6, but... <laughs> yeah, we are not going to pass this test. So, pull it and run. I <laughs> go, dunk! It's so It's good. very good. It's, a, it's an exquisite end tag. That's why it cracked our top 15. Now, yeah, it's almost as good. It's I think it's perfect. I mean, it's not going to stay there. No, but it's perfect next to Dine and Dash. I agree, because they're two very, very similar. Solid Troy and Abed decision simple. processes. Yeah, it's just these characters interacting. Yeah. It's it's exquisite. So yeah, it's very good. The episode rankings. Boy, boy, boy. boy. Okay, paradigms of human memory. Can we can we move beyond the top eight? Absolutely. This is top five. Okay. For me, easily. Okay. As cool. much as I, I you know, because number, our number five oh, right now God. is physical education. An episode I love. The show desperately it's trying cool. to hang on to what it was in season one before it, like, is a few episodes later yanked into chicken fingers and then yanked again into modern warfare. This episode is better than that one. Paradigms of Human Memory is incredible and so funny and tells a great character story. I, I would... Me alone, it would be above Modern Warfare, which is our number four, but below Intermediate Documentary Filmmaking. Is Intermediate do- intermediate Documentary um, Abed? 
or intermediate documentary is the hospital pierce is dying, pierce is dying. the bequeathments i just think i think that episode is perfect shouldn't you get an orderly yeah Sorry. Uh, um, explain a brag consult. i think intermediate documentary is about as perfect as an episode of television can be and this episode is just slightly below it but i could hear the conversation that it's above i think that like for again the thing i keep saying is pound for pound and i'm gonna sound like a broken record but there's low moments and i don't mean low in terms of like on a scale from one to ten i mean low on in an episode that's full of tens so like low is like a seven there's a few moments in that intermediate documentary filmmaking that are not skippable but i kind of tune out you know what i mean like when that part's coming up i'm gonna go refill my water Uh uh-huh i i don't think i get up during paradigms of human memory at all like i think mm-hmm. i'm just wrapped to the screen i mean it's and so it's like exquisite. For me that's that's enough for it to be the number three as much as intermediate documentary filmmaking is very good very good it you know what i mean i do like, i do know what you mean so it's it just feels like it's got a little more consistency in the gusto it's delivered it's definitely i would say a more entertaining capital e entertaining episode paradigms of human memory it just it books it's full of like great burst out of the television jokes like a, a, a fucking yeah. classic joke where they're in the glee club and they're just saying singling singling <laughs> yes but then is it is it character development important like ida idf is idf is much more on the character front i mean i love paradigms but i uh, intermediate documentary is if we're gonna go character. with what we've been ranking things on, if we're gonna go with what we've been ranking things on, one, two, and three are episodes of deep and profound character development. So, I would accept it being the new number four. I thinking of that. Specific. Um, I am glad, and uh, the fake flashbacks will have their another day in court uh, coming up for an episode that might be better or might be worse. It depends on what day you ask me. And when I say worse, <laughs> I just mean like not as good. You know what I mean? Like it's not not as good as worse, this, which is number four on our list of like forty episodes. Yeah. Uh, so. S- new number four, S two E twenty one, Paradigms of Human Memory, and that episode has John Hodgman. Incredible, dude! That episode's so good. <laughs> I love that episode. Stop letting him make you realize things. <laughs> I knew it. Um, man, great episode. Okay, Woo. this is getting tough. So now, applied anthropology and culinary arts. What's our 25? 25 is English as a second language. 25? All the way up there. Okay, okay you're, I'm, just, I'm just, I'm using it as a sample for my own brain to say, like, okay, are we going to start looking above that? Or are we going to start looking below that? I, yeah, what do you think? I, because our current number 25 is English as a second language, where they figure out Chang is faking his degree. I think anthropology is not as good, but it's not far below that. Mm. It's it's much further below that for you. Because right under that is Romantic Expressionism. Uh, watching Kick Puncher, Troy Likes Annie, classic season one episode. I think that is like, as far as what season one is doing, that's one of the best examples of it. 
But then we're looking at like no, I I wouldn't put it lower. That was that my oh grunt your grunt was, was higher. Not, uh, I could also see higher. Yeah, I could because not, like not thinking, much higher. No, it wouldn't break twenty. Okay, um, so let's look at let's look at number twenty two, the season two premiere, Anthropology one hundred and one, another big Anthropology classroom episode. Yeah, I could honestly go either way because Anthropology one hundred and one has uh, Jeff and Britta's fake kiss in the Anthropology Jeff and classroom. Open mouth kiss is enough to keep it. In which, place. like, <laughs> yeah, you can't. I'm sorry, that it's, is an implacable moment. I love that so much. It's, uh, it's so great. It's so, it's it's so disgusting. Great. It's so fucking painful. Right, and then right below that is Beginner Pottery. This episode is not as good as Beginner Pottery. You're right. I love Beginner Pottery. Intro- this first Halloween episode. Slater, the the Halloween party. Yeah. Uncomely, or unseemly. Unseemly. Uh, yeah. what I think what you're saying is I own a cowboy outfit it is in it is tight did it come that way or did you have it tailored your toy gun to my head I'd say yes that's <laughs> uh, a good episode too Pierce is tripping so balls it's, it's like grumpy old men but not hilarious <laughs> it's like <laughs> underrated bit underrated episode it's very good and every every outtake of him saying different things is also funny <laughs> It is. Okay, I would say, yeah, right below Intro to Stat, the first Halloween. New 25. New 25. I can agree to those terms. Sure. S2, E22. Oh, God. Applied Anthropology (laughs) and Culinary Arts. It's interesting to me because, like, as this gets deeper, like, 21 through 24, before we added this, I would agree are better than this, but I think this might have a leg up on Messianic Myths and Ancient Peoples. Be- I, I know what you like, mean. I you like I mean? Messianic like, Myths a lot. It's not the funniest so, episode. It's a deeply interesting episode. Yes, and it's a really, really good episode for Abed and Shirley. Who, really Shirley especially, episode. does not get a lot of great episodes. Yeah. Uh, so that one, I'm comfortable with that one being at 20. It will be... I mean... It will not be number it'll, twenty it, next week. It'll be moved soon. Yes, exactly. <laughs> so I we we don't this have to decide this. This is a this. great exercise in, in like permanence. Yeah, <laughs> impermanence. Uh, it's like yeah. no, I'm going to fight this to be number five. Realizing we haven't gotten to not only the end of season, or not only have we not gotten to season three, we haven't gotten to the end of season two yet. Right. So like nothing in the top five is going to be there in like six or eight six or eight weeks right and again spoilers for next week's episode uh the paintball finale of season two fucking whips so incredibly hard and it's so um, whippage, dude. and so like abed's uncontrollable <laughs> christmas the claymation christmas episode is number 10 it won't be in the top 10 next week guaranteed this is, sure. it's, it's fucking competitive out here. We don't have to decide this now. Are we ranking those episodes as two episodes or one episode? Which two? Wait. The paintball finale. Because it's two parts. Oh, fuck off. I think. No, it's got to be two. It's it gotta has have to be the two. Weight. It's got to have the weight to move things in this list. I agree. Because both um, are good enough that they deserve to make other things go down. <laughs> Right, and there are there sense. are oh absolutely, and there are two more two parters after this one to come later in the show, and so this was something we did need to answer. Um, I think this will work out very favorably as two parts for the uh, season two paintball finale, and maybe less favorably to like 
the season five treasure hunt finale, which I also like, but one of those episodes is just set up. <laughs> It'll be tough. Okay, well, that's something to look forward to next week. And we are uh, over into the plug a plugs. Uh, anything to plug this week, Daddy Host. I feel like I do. I feel like <laughs> I do. Oh, you know what? Sorry, my brain is mush, man. It's Blur's day I every day in the quarantine zones. Um, yeah, no, I. Uh, it's you know, it's been a week where I don't want to say in, I'm, I've been introspective because that seems to have some kind of connotation with it, but. Um, I've had some time to, like, organize some things. And I just, like, without shouting too much out, like, my my blog uh, and all the stuff I'm doing is taking a week off next week because we're kind of doing an overhead week where we make sure everybody's all right and gets a good break before fall comes because that's going to be a shit show and this year's already been one. But that means that, like, if you haven't gotten on board or you are on board with what I do, it's going to get better, I think, because we're giving people time to relax and, and be themselves. Um, which I also would like to use as just a shout out for mental fucking health as someone who's had chronic depression and who's living through one of the most depressive time periods with so many other people right now. <laughs> uh, this, this, don't be, don't feel bad giving yourself a fucking break. Um, we know that we know that like we've each taken breaks from things that we've wanted to do, uh, Jason included. And like, we would never be mad at them. We would never be mad at you. We would never be mad at each other. Like, there's no reason to not like, yo. Um, this year's been a, a it's been a real one. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm, I'm yeah. gonna chill. Um, and be quiet for a little bit, or maybe that means hanging out with your friends because you've been quiet. Just uh, yeah. give yourself grace. That's my that's my biggest shout out is that like I've learned while managing a thing with multiple people in it that grace is a big uh, it's a it's a thing you can swing. And people like when you do it. Like, it's chaos. Be kind. You know, take care of the people that mean a yeah. lot to you. And and especially, like, we're doing a community podcast. And I love doing it. But if you needed a week off, take it. Like, <laughs> right. there's, no, right. there's no reason to, right. to make you do anything. You know, I was I was really hard up this weekend. I think a lot of us were. Uh, and like the only solace I found was like, I'm going to listen to Nick Cave and catch up on uh, Sex Criminals, one of my favorite comics of all time. And that is what, so I hope like everyone can find their own version of that. Like, obviously we're not done. We're in the middle of it. There's so much going on and know when you need to take a second and recoup. Cause during every other period of civil unrest and uncertainty, People still made art, people still got married, people still had kids, people still did all of these things, and life continued on. There's some, I find a certain amount of solace looking back at art from the 60s, from the 70s, from the 80s, and saying, oh, they also thought everything was about to end. Uh, no no inconsiderable amount of, of solace. You're absolutely correct. And it's like, you know, it's only some. It doesn't fix, like, what's going on. But it is good to, like, to look back at, like, fucking Watchmen the comic and go, like, this is written and drawn by people who are pretty sure the world is about to end. <laughs> like, they're, they're pretty sure we're not coming back from this. And yeah. there there's a certain amount of 
solace to be found in that i think um yeah because we're 40 years past it and everything is still going i mean things still suck (laughs) in a lot of ways a lot of things have gotten better and and that is important to remember you know five years ago gay people were allowed to marry all across the united states of america that ain't nothing we worked i think we worked together that day is that true that might very well be true i was absolutely at starbucks that day i think i may have hugged people and you may have been in that group it was a great day that was recent that was fucking recent not that long ago and so you know i mean (laughs) uh, oh and and further on the on the topic of taking breaks like especially now y'all october and november are gonna be something it's gonna be something (laughs) and like i think everyone needs to steal themselves that's right. Not because I think bad shit's going to happen, but it's it's not going to be easy. No. But the things worth fighting for are never easy. Do join us next week when we cover uh, Community's excellent two-part paintball finale. I can't wait to watch it several times over the next seven days and, and then talk about it with you. Uh, so good. Has anyone ever been cooler than Allison Bree in the Western paintball episode? I don't think anyone ever fucking has. Nope. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. It's gonna be great, and we'll we'll hash it all out uh, next week. You um, get a shoot armed man. I don't know. You're eating my beans. I guess it's a good I'm not unarmed, seeing as I'm your eating your beans. Everyone's <laughs> good. How is that? How is that the best anyone has ever looked? Is all the cast members of Community in that episode? Everyone's Western. Oh God. Okay, we can't. We can't start. We can't. We'll get um, there. This was a teaser. <laughs> check out. Check out my uh, recent appearance on Dom and Andre in the morning uh, on their episode talking about physical education. One of my favorite episodes of season one. Uh, and we'll be back next week. Title is incredible. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, excellent. We had too many hosts to pull it off, but Dom and Andre in the morning. They're good dudes. And check out their show. Uh, it's all. It's a lot of fun. And uh, and we will be back next week. But until then, pop. Pa. Zip zap zooey. <laughs> I hate it. I hate it. <laughs> I am seeing your chain, and I'm so ill. This is a warning, I can't be killed. All in your cabeza without a chaser. Not another teacher with this much flavor. So, so if you had to cast Weird Al in a Coen Brother movie, which would it be? Okay, so I have to cast him in a Coen Brother movie, one that already exists? Sure, yeah. And by by the rules of this hypothetical, he is the Weird Al that existed at the time that the movie came out? Ooh, yes, yes. Okay, okay. That adds a whole new wrinkle. I think there's a few easy ones, um, and I I feel pretty comfortable rattling that off. I think he probably could have fit very well into the universe of Raising Arizona, even if he's just like... The yeah, the Hawaiian shirt. So I'm thinking like when John Goodman and William Forsyth rob a bank and they tell everyone to freeze and get down on the ground and they're like, Well, which is it? Freeze or get down on the ground. Yeah. That yeah, could have been weird out. Yeah. That that could have been weird out. Uh the the second one, and this is a slightly different pivot, I think taken inside Lewin Davis, right? Very stripped down, like every shot is lit by cascading beams of light as dust intermingles through it. And he plays like the owner of the the folk club, the 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 oh was it the lantern or whatever that place was called? Um he he would play that guy, the like skeezy 
if you want a spot on stage, you have to sleep with me, manager of that New York City folk club. I, oh my god, that that's the thing. I want, yeah, I want a gritty, sleazy Al. But my true pitch, uh, my true pitch for Weird yeah. Al to to pivot out of the the parody music, not forever, but like expand yeah. his career a little bit, because he has again a robust. A fairly robust uh, animation voiceover career, really just like playing yes. versions of himself with few exceptions. But yeah, the the pivot I would make for him, and I'm normally not a hundred percent in this guy's corner. But if you presented me the idea I'm about to pitch to you, I'm the first person in line to see this movie. You partner him up with Judd Apatow. You get Judd. To mm-hmm. give him the, the 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 Seth Rogen, Amy Schumer, Pete Davidson. You either have him as the star vehicle of that movie, which I'm a hundred percent for, and I would be line one, or you give him like the LeBron James role in Trainwreck. Not necessarily he's playing himself, but he is Bill Hader's friend in a movie, or yeah. he is. <laughs> He is yeah, yeah, where Bill Hader just sits down in a cafe and goes like, oh, hey, Al. Yeah, exactly. Hey, Al. In the same way he says, hey, LeBron James in the movie Trainwreck. Um, or he is like the slight, he is like the main character's boss at their weird job that they have in the movie. Yeah. This oh, is well, what oh, I the, pitched the, to the, you. Uh, the Tilda Swinton role. Yeah, exactly. Uh, the Tilda Swinton role, the Alan Tudyk role. Uh, it's as old as the Apatow comedy, Jane Lynch in 40-Year-Old Virgin. Like, that's what I'm shooting for him for. Ooh, is you a, yes. a tight utility player in the Apatow stable? Alternatively, uh, I would have put him in the uh, last year's uh, seminal masterpiece, Little Women, in the Bob Odenkirk role, where instead of... <laughs> My Instead little women. Yeah, it's just that Bob. <laughs> Instead of Bob Odenkirk returning from war and shouting "My little women," the only person I can think of that would make that better is Weird Al Yankovic. Yeah. <laughs> Miss Mister Laura Dern himself, Weird Al Yankovic. Oh my god, that would have been that'd be fantastic. That would have gone from like my number three favorite movie of 2019 to my favorite movie of all time. <laughs> my, my full ass number one. If you had put Weird Al Yankovic in the Bob Odenkirk Park in Little Women. Uh, so this is, of course, the interview portion of Advanced Community Studies. Um, and and joining me, you've heard him on this podcast feed many, many times. Uh, he was the co-host of Sonic the Hedge Pod. He Fun. was a guest on... on uh, podcasts. He was a guest on The Stone Zone. Uh, this is, of course, Justin Germeroth. Justin, welcome to the show. Hey and howdy, Radiotopia. Coming at you live, riding on the surfed airwaves through you were the gonna be... electric cables <laughs> oh, under boy. the ground. Okay. He's still going. He's still going. Uh, oh, I won't on. stop you if you want to become a radio shock jock. <laughs> Just oh, like, real quick. God. I can't imagine what it's like nowadays to to be a true live on the air radio shock track like even beyond podcasts it's pivoted entirely to internet so you have yeah. the best show tom sharpling's the best show formerly the best show of wfmu which is just like a four hour online radio show with call-ins and and things like that it's just yeah. made it 
a combination of Twitch streaming and podcasts has rendered, obs and of course, like, Spotify, like the ability to listen to music, not just like talk radio. It will, it's become much more of a niche aesthetic. Like, mm -hmm. you, like you don't go it for the service anymore of, oh, this is what entertains you between music. It's you want the affect and the structure of, of Zoo Shock Jock Radio. Right, absolutely. You want um, the either nostalgia of it or the kitsch of it, which is, um, like, vinyl collecting. Like, I know a lot of people do think it sounds better, and I do like the sound of vinyl. It's not so qualitatively different that you couldn't get it done on, an, on, a, on a wave file. Well, like, the, the only record, the only vinyl record I have is a, uh, a parakeet training record. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course. <laughs> that I literally had, that I saw at a Savers, and I had to buy it just to find out what that was. You had to buy it. No, absolutely. I completely I understand to. that compunction. Uh, and you are, my friend, you and Vern both occupy that same space where the two of you will just buy and own uh, random crap. And I'm really just jealous of the two of you for your gumptions of bringing home just whatever junk-ass shit you found at a yard sale <laughs> at a Goodwill. Because you brought me it once, during the St. Louis days, you brought me some vinyl from where you were working, right? You, you brought, you were like... I worked at Vintage Stock, which is a re a media resale chain. Um, and you brought home some, some vinyl. But you didn't bring, like, Yellow Submarine. It was Bruno Returns, the Bruce Willis <laughs> Blues album. Uh, you brought a, a record of the Bonzo Dog Doodah Band. <laughs> you, brought, you brought some very interesting things home. And I appreciated them greatly. Uh, gifts that only my friend Justin would yeah. give me. For, to, to commemorate your guys' respective graduations, or no, was it for graduations or was it for Christmas, I bought you each one of those 50 movie DVD sets. Oh, I think it was Christmas. Uh, and <laughs> one of the great... Oh, and a 50 movie DVD set. You really get your, like, $5 worth <laughs> on those 50 <laughs> movies. Like, man, are those... There's always that group of 10 that rotates among all of them. Absolutely. There's a group of 10, you know, I think a lot of them surely must be public domain. And um, there's, a, there's a certain number... That should be if they are not. Thank you, Mickey Mouse. And... There's also this, like, brief catalog. Like, they, on a, on a 50 movie list, you will you will turn on the back and you're like, I've heard of these two and only <laughs> briefly. And then there's 48 more to explore. Mm-hmm. And, and they and I just, all I sound that. almost, but not quite, like movies you've heard of before. But they're not quite. Right. It's like, oh, I haven't heard of the smoking gun. <laughs> heard of gun smoke. Never, I, I, I've never heard of sm I've, I've never heard of the Smoky Bandit. <laughs> I've never heard of Dunstan checks. <laughs> end of title. <laughs> end of full title. Uh, but and I, I appreciate those. Hell. Uh, Chihuahua of Beverly Hills, but in no, no, my... no, 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 it'd be the pat, it'd be Pasadena Hills Chihuahua. 
Oh, okay. Silver Lake Chihuahua. <laughs> but in my uh, uh, podunk redneck slash early film aficionado days, I bought a John Wayne 50 movie pack. And you you would be surprised. You know when they used to shoot westerns in like a weekend? They, they would have like <laughs> one... <laughs> one stunt like ah stunt and the rest of it is like barely watchable the most boring yeah. movie you've ever seen because they could only afford one stunt and you would just be surprised the number of completely disposable garbage movies one human is is capable of producing oh yeah. and john wayne <laughs> continued they're like it's all john wayne movies pre stagecoach like that amazing shot mm -hmm. in stagecoach where they like zoom in on ringo and you're like wow a new movie star has emerged this is this is a new frontier this this person is going to take cinema by storm this man will play genghis khan yes as only john wayne could Hey, you Mongol! These were all before <laughs> anyone knew who John Wayne like was. Women. Back when John Wayne was just some dude named Marion who wanted to be in movies, uh, and <laughs> and this was the movie you got. Uh, but yeah. uh, let's let's at least pretend to talk about the thing we're here to talk about. Yeah. So, uh, uh, Justin, I've I uh, you and I have spoken about this briefly, but I want to hear about your community journey what is your story with this show uh well we did kind of go into it a little bit on it during one of the quarantine episodes of uh, jive action nerds my experience for community was i binged it during the darkest uh de and deepest depression i've so far had in my life so <laughs> the context of watching it is not positive, but I can't really say it was exactly a light in the darkness either. Mm-hmm. It was just something I half-numbly experienced. It was another thing that happened to you <laughs> during during that period. So what, what yes. year is this? Uh, this was in 2012. Okay. Uh, li so, like the winter, uh, like the latter half of 2012 into the first half, through the first half of 2013. Okay, so you are, you got to like season three. Uh, you, yes. you, you, about halfway through. Have you, since you emerged from that darkness, um, or at least into like a slightly lighter patch of darkness, have you seen anything past that point? No. <laughs> Not, I think at one point I tried watching it again, and the first episode I saw was the um was the floor and lava episode. Uh huh. Good episode. Yeah, and I thought this is cool. I'm glad they're still doing it. And then I moved on with my life. <laughs> oh, and that's a that's a beautiful journey. Like I, uh... I'm very sorry to come onto a show wholly dedicated to dissecting a very well-produced show that is that means very much to the hosts 
<laughs> I can't even say I finished it or I even really look fondly back on it. I thought it was funny when I was too sad to laugh. <laughs> when you could just acknowledge that something was funny exactly. without it ever being able to elicit all, I, an actual I, I, laugh I could, out of you. Yeah, I could go, yeah, I kind of relate to Abed or ha. She is Jewish, like me. And, and, that, and that was <laughs> and that the is it. I am annoying, like they are annoying. Yeah, I understand that. I've, I've been there. Man, man Pierce is old. <laughs> that guy's old. Uh, huh. Uh, Jeff is really handsome. I I can appreciate that. Yeah. Uh, but this is, that, that is uh, the most I've ever gotten emotionally from this program. <laughs> But I, I invited you. I want a bounty oh, of perspectives. I want I want a bevy of experiences with this show. And and you had one that I hadn't. You know, I like to I'll bring on people that want Jeff and Annie to smooch. I bring people on that don't want Jeff and I Annie to smooch. Was like, I thought that was fucked up when I watched it. Like, <laughs> like why is this much young, this like much younger woman? <laughs> Why I mean, li- allowing this. <laughs> like, you mean their peers? Why are their peers allowing this to? <laughs> yeah, to tr- why is Bruna allowing this? Surely, this should be like big no no. No, as someone so like even loosely socially conscious of power structures as Britta. You'd think she'd be the first to be like, mm, she'd be the first to start age gap discourse. It, it doesn't come up. <clears throat> no, the no, only, it doesn't. Uh, it's the only the only person gr- that brings it up really is uh, Jeff himself. <laughs> he seems to be <laughs> the only one really conscious of it. Which, like, and he still kind of goes with it because he's yeah. Apple, so yeah, he's a monster. Uh, so it, it, I no think. <laughs> It fits within his character to, yeah. to be a really gross man. Oh, <laughs> so I, no, he, he, yeah. I don't um, intentionally bring on people that are anti-Jeff Annie, but it seems like everyone in my circle that I bring on to this show is like, no, <laughs> no, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> and um, I, I, I'm not doing it on purpose. I want all the, I mean, I don't think any Jeff Annie uh, stands are still listening to this podcast. Uh, but I, I'm not doing it on purpose to try and like I stoke an agenda. I, also thought the, I don't know. I also thought the spoiler alert, the Troy and Britta romance was also very awkward. It didn't uh, come together. And let, that has like a comparable age gap. Um, yes. And I, I, people have a different reaction to that one. I think for a number of reasons, I think one of them is that, um, we have a very different relationship to female sexuality that we do to male men preying on younger women is like a societal issue and women preying on younger men. I'm not saying that like it, it can't also be very manipulative. We just have a very different cultural relationship to it than we do yeah. to old men and young women, despite older men and younger women being much, much more commonplace. Right. And yes, much more just systemic. Yeah, absolutely. And well, they're both tacitly approved. It's just in different ways. Yeah, it's, it's never tacitly... for the benefit of the women. Often, 
Um, right, because if you're the man in either scenario, it, it, and this has to do a lot with perspective, right? That conversation of where is the perspective that we're coming from here, and usually the cultural perspective is either you're scoring the hot young chick or you're scoring the hot older lady, and we don't get as much of the female perspective in those relationships. No, we don't. Yeah, and it, it's a it's a conversation worth having, and a conversation that honestly people smarter than you and I can write many many like words about, uh, and, and they have, have lots of conversations. Oh, and certainly and, they have, and they will continue. I, I, I'm to not be. sure. It's, I, yeah, I'm not sure. Uh, a community fan cast is the proper venue to really <laughs> to delve in, especially us. We are not the people to. Yeah, to okay. to discuss age gap love in media and its and its relative relationship yes. to gender. Uh, but the, the both of these relationships encounter this uh, kind of bizarre scenario because both Donald Glover and Alison Brie are playing like characters about ten years younger than those actors are. Yes. Right? You know, when, when community starts, Alison Brie is almost thirty, not almost twenty. Yeah. And that kind of create it changes the dynamic from like if it were an actual 18 year old actor like a noticeably 18 year old actor i do oh, not yeah, think they're no, you'd go well no well it's the tv it's that awful tv phenomena where you look at an 18 year old and go why is that middle schooler smoking cigarettes Whereas the the real issue is, is that we're so used to media teens mm-hmm. being 30 years old. You know, uh, how old is the cast of r- the sexy teens of Riverdale? Like, how old are these actors? And, it, like, if, if, if Riverdale were an actual show with actual high school age actors, it would be a crime right it'd be child (laughs) pornography and it wouldn't be allowed on tv right but for some reason because your brain knows full well that these actors are in their 30s that like you were watching dylan sprouse when you were 12 and now he is a grown-up it creates this very different uh uh perspective in your mind subconsciously as opposed to if it was joel McHale and an actual 18 year old i don't think that relationship would have the same number of fans that it does god and so that's uh anyway this is about the the television show show episode uh, where shirley gives birth no i actually have something to say related to the episodes so i was never a avid sitcom watcher growing up Mm -hmm. Like, as far as I was concerned, um, sitcoms were those weird live-action shows that came on around 5 p.m. on Kids WB. Sure, when you were watching your cartoons. Yes. When you were When you were playing them tunes. Yeah, exactly. When, when I was gaming on my boy. Yeah, that, that, you know what, I'm going to stop saying that in the context of this episode. <laughs> <laughs> when I was gaming on my... <laughs> Yeah, go ahead, go ahead. As far as I knew, when I saw the clip show episode in, like, 2012, Mm -hmm. I thought, like, oh, are they referencing, like, the two Simpsons episodes I watched, like, like eight, like, seven and nine years ago, respectively? Are they homaging the Simpsons episodes that used to play at 6 and 6.30 on (laughs) on on ABC? ABC? 
Uh, are they are they homaging uh, those Simpsons episodes? Uh, right. And, and, um, and it wasn't until I um, I watched That's My Bush, which Vern introduced me to, because of course he's the one to introduce me to to it. Yes. Uh, now and I'm sorry, uh, Justin. For, you for those can't of you, just say... those of you at home. <laughs> Uh, That's My Bush was a show produced by Trey Parker and Matt Stone, who were so horrified by the prospect of a Bush presidency that they produced a whole show about the absurdity of George Bush being president. And, And so they had the show tackle both a hot political topic and a sitcom cliché. So, like, the pilot episode is George Bush has to attend both an, ab- an abortion symposium and his anniversary dinner with Laura at the same time. <sighs> and so he's going <laughs> back and forth across the White House. <laughs> and, and for their climate change episode, like they did the clip show. Mm-hmm. And that's when I realized, oh... And I watched this after I, like, stopped watching Community. So I thought, oh, oh, Community was, like, doing a bit. They were referencing a greater <laughs> phenomena. They were referencing, like, a a very frequent sitcom trope. Yeah. But- a, lot of, a lot of sitcoms' final episodes are clip shows. Um that uh, uh, and that's a frequent phenomenon or like God help you if you ever see characters get into an elevator you can almost be certain a clip show is about to happen that, uh, I, it's that a, I think was the oil drilling episode was the bottle episodes oh okay great George Bush was trapped with his wacky next door neighbor's stew oh, no, Stew O'Doyle who would just show up at the White House, they go like, hey, George, it's your favorite neighbor. So he lived at like 1602 Pennsylvania yeah. Avenue. And that guy, <laughs> the man who played the white, the, the man who lived next to the White House would play the president in Corey in the house. Wow. So he, he really, some upward mobility yes. uh, uh, from from That's My Bush. That's interesting. Which is why I am starting a petition on Change.com to get this man to play Joe Biden on SNL. Change.com, most... not yeah. Change.org. No, 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 my for-profit I, I, petition. I, I am launching my West. own petition website just so I can get this actor to play Joe Biden on SNL. He's the most experienced man playing characters around the White House. Not, uh, as we all know, the... <laughs> The only man who can embody Joe Biden on Saturday Night Live, Jim Carrey. I mean, when I look at Joe Biden, the the dead corpse-like frame of Joe Biden, what I what springs to mind for candidate. What springs to mind is the manic. And your screwball energy of Sonic the Hedgehog's Jim Carrey. Literally, just literally, Nicolas Cage would rock that role. Nicolas Cage would kill the shit out of it. Also, I'm sure you have cast members that can do a Joe Biden impression. You have a, you have a not supporting cast. 
Right. You have, I'm sure, not a dearth of white males. It's been a little bit since I've watched Saturday Night Live, but like, you're telling me Kyle Mooney can't do Biden? <laughs> like, you're you're telling me tell me Jost can't do Biden? Because if they you, he can. Literally just write them the way community writes Pierce Hawthorne, and you've got Joe down. He's not nailed hard to it. write. No. Like, it's, you've pretty much uh, nailed it. So we've <laughs> almost allocated the entire half-hour interview slot already. Um, is the, and I appreciate you going back and explaining for our listeners, that's my bush. Uh, it's a phenomenon I would hate if we had, like, skipped over and not, and not re-surmised what that's my bush was all about. Um, <laughs> but, uh, uh, you know what? This was always going to be weird. It's you and me <laughs> and a show, <laughs> a show you haven't watched in fucking ten years. Yeah, a show that I don't have an emotional connection to, but I like doing this shit with you, so of course I was going to come on. I appreciate that. I mean, you'd seen it. I'm eventually going to rope Vern into this. Vern doesn't fucking care about this show, but I'll figure out a good episode to get him in on. It will go pretty much the same way. That's what I'm thinking, exactly. That's what I expected when we sat down. It was not an in-depth critical. More esoteric sitcom. 100%. 100%. That featuring, uh, I don't know, like Gilbert Gottfried that lasted six episodes in 2003. Sure, sure. <laughs> but he has the director's cut of. Oh, oh of course. <laughs> the the bonus, like, DVD set that had three unaired episodes of, <laughs> of Gilbert Gottfried's sitcom or whatever. We'll somehow talk about the Gilbert Gottfried educational math show Cyber Chase. Um We'll we'll get there. Yeah. Oh well, we can talk about that now. I watched that. Yeah. Fuck it. I did too. I used to watch it um, all the time. I think before school because mm-hmm. that was that was a PBS joint. Yes. Um, and that would air uh, randomly throughout the day. Uh, and yeah. you you had this educational math show with Christopher Lloyd as hacker the he was he was running through cyberspace causing problems that could only be solved with elementary level education with basic geometry and like baby's first algebra and you have like the standard cadre of three kids you have kind of like the dashing lead you have the the dorky one you have the girl one and um uh, of course they were they had a sidekick uh, the, the who Anna was Trump a dodo yeah a flying bird voiced by Gilbert Gottfried who would just say like fuck me we need a square i need a circle over here god damn it well, well no fun fact he voiced the phoenix in Mul- in the Mulan remake did he really? Yeah, yeah, he yeah, he was the vocal stand-in for the Phoenix character. Fuck! <laughs> God damn it, Mulan! <laughs> you can't be a witch, Mulan! It's so fucking weird that Gilbert Gottfried has become, like... I guess it's not that weird because he has a funny voice. But, like, it's so weird that he's known primarily as a children's entertainer. Where if you listen to anything he says, <laughs> not in a... actual career. I actually was... Um, when I was in college during my horrible depression, um, I was in a really... Looking... I, I enjoyed... Be- it was the one thing I actually enjoyed in college... But it was a sketch comedy troupe, and we hated the improv troupe. 
Oh, at, on the, campus the dreaded improv troupe. Yeah, it, and you would it, have these battles where you'd line up and you'd snap at each other and yes. do little dances. And and every year, you know, they'd do the 20, a 24 hours of improv show where they'd, you know, a lot hour install and so much, and they just do Im- improv. So Aren't you glad our college improv troupe never had the stick to itiveness to do something like that? Yeah, no, we yeah, it's it was never funny. So in order to make fun of them, we did 24 hours of aristocrats where we just tried as long as we could to keep one aristocrats joke going. <laughs> and I think we got on to we went into like four straight hours before we just got bored. But there were people watching us. Oh, it, it literally well, we reached the point where we realized that the bit was too much work to be worth the insult. Doing a four hour <laughs> aristocrats joke to own the libs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Publicly embarrassing myself in front of the whole school to own the libs. <laughs> Do you- I never bothered remembering what it was. I only just knew like, oh, we're going to like talk shit to the imp- and we were the aggressors that one was shitty <laughs> we were the people who would show who would like, come to their shows like sharing a handle and and heckle sure. so we had a tradition called handle thursdays where after the after like the um like the writing workshop like table readings We'd then go to one of the seniors' off-campus houses and then drink as much of a handle we could of, of like, whiskey in one night. You were the mean improv troupe. <laughs> no, no, no. You were no, the mean we sketch comedy troupe. You were the mean sketch, sketch comedy We actually thought about our shitty jokes. Right. We didn't Which have the excuse of making them up on the spot. That's what I was saying. It's almost worse. <laughs> like, it's certainly like, more embarrassing. Bad sketch comedy is harder to recover from than bad improv. Yeah. Because if it's bad improv, it's like, okay, you just couldn't think of anything. You had an off night or whatever. If it's bad sketch, it's like, you thought about this. You had <laughs> like, time to, th- to realize this was a bad idea. You wrote this? You memorized it? You, you made the necessary it. props and costumes? <laughs> You you burned all the right tracks to a blank CD oh so God. that it could be played at the appropriate moments. Hey hey hey! We had a five, We had an eight gigabyte uh, USB drive. Thank you. Wow. Well, I can't be mad. The height of technology in 2012. I think That's we've tough. covered it. I think we've done it. Thank you. Thank you for joining me. Uh, I guess anything you want to plug, but. Uh, you can catch me on Jive Action Nerds with Kevin. Uh, you can catch me on Puffin Publishing Podcast with Kevin. You can uh-huh. also uh, catch me on Movies with Babies with Vern and Kevin. And Kevin. Oh, I forgot. Yeah, I forgot. I was like, there's something else Justin does on this feed. Not forgetting fucking Movies for Babies. Every Once a month we talk for two and a half hours about some fucking movie. We talk about a movie longer than the actual movie. Guaranteed. We didn't talk about Dinotopia longer than Dinotopia. And I admire our <laughs> We could have gone there, for it, though. We could have. I think we could have. Without that naysayer, Vern, <laughs> who's start trying to tell us Dinotopia was bad. Let's we all know get a handle, drive to his house, and yell at him.
This has been a Talk Back Podcast. That was quite a show.